You are listening to a five-minute version of Words of Life, a message of hope from the Salvation Army. Do you believe it just because it was said? Do you believe everything just because it's on social media? It's on the internet. It must be true. Well, what about the Bible? Is the Bible true? Is it accurate? I mean, we're talking about 40 authors over 1,500 plus years. Uh, Can we really trust that everything in it should be taken at face value? How is the Bible even relevant in 2021? Ask anybody's opinion about something that's in the Bible. You might actually even get 15 different answers. See, The words have been through a process of analysis and translation that sometimes can even point to multiple conclusion based upon which scholar you're actually asking. But if this is so, then how can we be sure that what we are getting is actually accurate? And that, my friends, is why Bible study is so important. And not only individual study, but study with persons of various background and experience. Don't just stay in your own little echo chamber where everybody believes the same thing that you believe about the Bible, but come in contact with other people who believe something maybe even different about the Bible. Get into some conversations. It's what Wesley called Christian conferencing, coming together for debate and understanding, not to not in violent disagreement, but to reason over the scriptures Maybe even as the Lord said, come, let us reason together. It's something that we don't do as much as maybe we should. You see, in the beginning, uh, when the church was first starting out, they had multiple church conferences or councils. Uh, First couple centuries, they're trying to figure out what actually is orthodox teaching. You don't have the word Trinity in the Bible anywhere, and yet this is a concept that we understand as true because it came to us through debate through these councils of Nicaea and Laodicea and Constantinople. The first Jerusalem council you might even remember is in the Bible. It's Acts chapter 15, where the uh, Gentiles are being told they have to believe like Jews. They have to do everything the Jews do, including being circumcised, in order to become a Christian. And through that conference, they say, no, there's only two things. One is uh, keep yourself from sexual immorality and don't eat food sacrificed to idols. That's it. Those were the only two. And so in that moment, the things that we had to do or the things that we had to practice changed based upon people coming together, wrestling over the scriptures and coming to an understanding together of what it means to be a Christian. At the Council of Nicaea, they agree uh, to the baptismal creed and get the I believe in the God, the Father, the maker of heaven and earth. Trinity continues to be discussed and this issue of Jesus, whether he's God, whether he's man, whether he's both. And it's not until the Council of Laodicea that you actually get 27 books of the New Testament being authorized. It starts by one of the monks called Athanasius. He's the one who sort of puts forward this list. And we have 27 books in the New Testament. Now, what's interesting in that is They had to take others out. How did they make that choice? Well, one is, did it stand the test of time? Were people inspired by things that were being written in it? And were the people who wrote them actually people who encountered Jesus, or was it just maybe somebody who said something along the way? 
the difference between canonical and apocryphal, which is the word we use for those that were not included, is whether or not they are essential for the faith. Now, some of the other books that you might be able to read, the Book of Enoch and, you know, uh, various others, they're, they're not bad reading. Sometimes you can actually even get some insight from it, but it is not essential. And if it contradicts anything in the Bible, then that's why it was made to be apocryphal. Through this process, we have these books of the Old and New Testament that were given by the inspiration of God and that they only constitute the divine rule of Christian faith and practice, as we good salvationists say in doctrine number one. Now we have resources available to us that can take us beyond what even some scholars even had available to them at the time. You can actually go back to find what that word in the Greek was, what that word in the Hebrew meant, and can begin to see the nuances of what God was saying that perhaps you would have missed had you just read the English translation. Thanks for listening. To hear the full version of this week's episode, subscribe to Words of Life on your favorite podcast store or visit SalvationArmySoundcast.org.